Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and welcome everybody to the It's I'm Amazing 2019 Awards. Do, do, with, do, do, do. with me, as always, our trumpet, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Kid Presentable. hey And also joining us, a man currently located 10 feet away from me. Through this wall here on my left. You guys don't see me pointing. This is an audio medium, not visual. Anyway, Lavender Gooms is here. Also, this is the first podcast in, what is it, 370, that all four of us are in the time, same time zone while recording. That is accurate. Mike, uh, what's it like to be doing this show when you're not like about to go to bed? Weird. Although, I did do, I think, one or two um, hosting events when I was in Japan. And that was really weird because that was like middle of the afternoon, um, like one, like one p.m. And I was doing the podcast. Well, remember so that we, was extremely weird. There was the time when we did when we used to do this podcast when it first started on Sunday mornings for us, like ten a.m. I think our time was it eleven a.m. Which like didn't really work because it pretty made it impossible made it impossible for Mike to do anything on Sunday because he had to just sit at his house till like two p.m. waiting for us to record this podcast. So. I do remember visiting you, Mike, in Japan. Uh, we were got together to watch an event, I believe it was, and like, yeah, it was breakfast time. Like <laughs> the little the little Seven Eleven Mart wasn't even totally open yet. They were just stocking out their uh, breakfast katsu. Got an order of that. Uh, I don't remember what event that was, but I do remember watching one with you. In so Japan. you guys hit a Lawson's? Is that what's going on here, Mike? Is that what it sounds like? It was either a Lawson's or a Seven Eleven. Fair enough. All right, people, um, first off, for uh, those few of you, and it would have been more, I think, if we had any sense of social media competency, who joined us uh, for the It's I'm Amazing gift exchange <laughs> that took place uh, on Saturday. A couple of you got to see us exchange gifts with each other. Um, I don't think anything MMA was shared, was there? MMA related. Mm, pro wrestling, which is close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got Mark got me some sweet... Uh, I guess the patent drawings for action figures that were created. A lot of these MMA fighters are referring to anime, so that's close. Yeah. Um, Mark, what did you get, Mark? A bunch of video game t-shirts from Mike, yeah, right? Yeah, video games t-shirts, yeah. And, that's uh, not super related. <laughs> that's too. That's one too many too far for me. I got Stefan. Not really one kind. I got, got him. Home entertainment, kitchen stuff, geeky t-shirt. Wide range happened there. I think a lot of these fighters probably drink iced coffee, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, and a lot of them have seen something that airs on Pluto TV. That's right. That's just 1980 to 2014 media. Yes. It's just shit on Pluto. Exactly. Stefan has learned about, Stefan and Mark both learned what Mike and I already knew, that Pluto TV remains the best app you can get for any of your uh, devices that you stream with. You'll find just random TV shows on Pluto TV, and, and it's uh, it's a nice mixed bag, a nice smorgasbord of you know random shit. And if you're 13 years old and your parents won't let you just use the computer, 
There's a Baywatch channel, got buddy? Just enjoy yourself. Watch Pamela Anderson from 20 years ago run in sand. Anyway, those of you who've joined us before for an award show, um, we're just going to go through um, the different uh, categories we have here. We're not coming to a consensus because we don't really agree on anything on this podcast, except apparently that Amanda Nunes was fighter of the year for most of us for like three straight years. Um, we'll see if that changes. I mean, if you tune into last week, we were talking about like our picks of the decade. Yeah. So now we're going to get a lot narrower in scope. And just yes. focus on one specific year. Um, would you guys prefer if I gave out some nominees before we made our picks? Or does everybody want to surprise yeah. the people? No, I think that's good. Let's let, do some let, nominees. Let them, let them know who's on the field, who who we had to choose from. Exactly. It'll show because when we say, when we don't pick the person you're thinking of, it'll be because we didn't even think about them as a nominee. Basically. You got to let us know who got snubbed this year. Who, who got snubbed? amazing snub? Who is the uncut gem of our award season here? All right? What? Sub got snubbed. Okay. Um, so we're going to start with quote of the year. Uh, uh, a award that I created, I think, exclusively to give award to either Derek Lewis or Nate Diaz. The only people who have won this, I think. Um, this time we got Jorge Masvidal. Pretty much everything he said after he killed Ben Askren. Hashtag super necessary. Uh, we got Nate Diaz calling out Jorge Masvidal. You know, ain't no West Coast gangster. We have Jorge Masvidal again. For discussing the three-piece and a soda chicken meal he provided to Leon Edwards' face backstage. And, uh, Stefan, I believe you enjoyed this quite a bit. Askren's post-fight, what he said on the mic immediately after beating Robbie Lawler. What was the best you got? Is that the best you got? My man got hit with a burning hammer. Survived it. Somehow got a choke that didn't really work. Got a win. Um, so, um, I'm going to lead this off. And I think, for me... Nothing was bigger, and of course, there's no right answers here, for, but for me, uh, Nate Diaz calling out Jorge Masvidal had such a great, like, the organic crowd reaction that came out of that, where he said, like, Jorge Masvidal had a great last fight, and the crowd starts like, oh my god, we're, like, we never even thought about this, and then Jorge happens to be there, and the look on Jorge Masvidal's face, which is a man recognizing I'm about to be a millionaire, combined with, you know, this is the type of fight I can show truly how good I am. For me, that was the quote of the year. The whole, he, you know, he's a real gangster, but he ain't no West Coast gangster type of thing. I loved it. That was for me. Uh, Mike, what about you? Um, it's A lot of these are Jorge related. Yep. Um, <laughs> I did love the, the Nate quote. It, it had such a natural pop to it, but... For me personally, I'm gonna go with three piece and a soda. Yep. That's because it is a variation of um, another phrase that we use uh, here on the well on the East Coast: a uh, two piece and a biscuit. Two piece and a biscuit. Yep. <laughs> basically, just means um, you get you you got basically you got a free shot in uh, yeah. on some dude before he could even raise his hands. You got a combo so, in, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I really appreciated that uh, that quote just because it, it spoke to my childhood. Um, Staff, what do you got, buddy? Um, I'm going to go on a little slight tangent because I've been saying this is my quote of the year across all mediums, whether it's MMA related or not. LeBron James saying not everyone, every problem should be everyone's problem. That's just the quote of the decade. You I'm fine with put, that. Put that in a frame for me. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know, but um, because that is the equivalent of Tulsi Gabbard saying voting present on impeachment, um, 
you threw it out there. I'll give it to Ben Askren. Why? Because y'all are citing uh, Jorge Masvidal, but look, it's Ben Askren's shine that made Masvidal a star. It started. And, and that started was round it. zero for it. Mm-hmm. That was round zero for the average, common, UFC-only MMA casual fan to learn who best Ben Askren was. And he gave all that glow and shine to Jorge Masvidal <laughs> by getting knocked out real fast. <laughs> and that's what allowed Masvidal's star to shine. Yeah, Everyone was paying attention to the funky one. And you know what? He gave a wonderful Christmas gift to his old pal, Jorge. Or as he put it, George. Mark. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, you know, when we do the quote of the year, there's different contexts in why a particular quote might win. And um, I'm going with the same quote that that Bobby picked. Um, and not so much because there was, I mean, some years we do it because, like uh, Mike was mentioning, the three-piece in the soda. I think that's also very funny. I, I That's not a saying I knew, but uh, I, that tickled me. But uh, Nate calling out Jorge, it was more... The, the the quote in and of itself of him you know saying he's not a west coast gangster or whatever that's not super great like you know we i've heard better trash talk or whatever it's just the significance of nate diaz having become his own star now calling his own shots and those shots like were like making sense within the fan base right and getting people excited it's not just nate's just calling out whoever he thinks he could beat next he's calling out the guy that he feels is going to move the needle who's going to sell the most that's going to kind of make a bigger star out of both him and his combatant and that was jorge and like bobby said what was so cool about that is not really a matchup that we were thinking about going in but once he said it just made perfect sense you know stefan has made some of those calls before like why isn't uh uriah faber and jose aldo fighting each other instead of the other two like sometimes you don't think about fights and then you hear it and it's like oh yeah, I really want that. That's what I really want. I might not have thought about it, uh, but that's why uh, I like that Nate quote. Not particularly because it was super memorable in what he said, but the significance behind it. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't exact these, words. It yeah, was, we have we have these guys that I, I feel have really earned their stardom through blood, sweat, and tears, and not because they're particularly great on the mic. They get the Ws. They put in the work, you know, for decades here, and uh, it's paying off. And that's what I love about it. And uh, we're going to talk next about our story of the year, which I think what Mark just talked about is about to come up right up again here. But uh, here's some of the things we could uh, considered. Um, Nate Diaz uh, somehow fixing USADA's uh, tainted supplement issue. If you guys remember uh, that whole brouhaha where they tried, they said Nate Diaz was going to be off the card for the BMF title fight. And then um, he wasn't because he, Pretty much drew a line in the sand saying, I'm not stopping until I'm, I'm not fighting until you clear me. And they did. So uh, it kind of helped all the fighters, quite frankly, who deal with the tainted supplement thing, which when this first started and we'd hear that excuse, it really was a lot of like, all right, buddy, I'm sure I'm sure you had a tainted supplement. But the sheer prevalence of it has really shown that it's a serious problem. And um, the fighters were getting stuck paying fees and waiting months and months and months before they could fight again. And they had to change their system, quite frankly, because of Nate and lie to us and tell us that they had, they backdated it, if you guys remember. Saying like, oh, we made this change four months ago. And it's like, no, no, you didn't. You didn't at all. Um, another one story there, the belts matter even less somehow, which if you look at the welterweight division, that'd be a good example of it. Um, the entire BMF title thing about, it took about, it was like a four months, the whole buzz behind that. Um, the whole rise of Jorge Masvidal um, and finally just the UFC and ESPN relationship starting and really just working out as well as either party could hope for. 
Um, Stefan, we start with you. What do you got here for your story of the year? Um, my story of the year, I guess it's kind of weird that I'm going to pick it in the sense of maybe in a vacuum of MMA, it wasn't the biggest story, but kind of when I look back on the year 2019 at large, the one thing that's just going to come to mind across all mediums is China. Um, there, 2019 was the year of China revealing themselves. Well, well we also as, have first ever Chinese world. world champion. So that I mean, is a story too, after all the events they've had in Asia, having a Chinese world champion. But go I mean, ahead. What do you think I'm building towards, Bobby? <laughs> like, you're just going to hop in and say it. Listen, like, a bunch of nominees and you're just like, we're talking about China. I'm like, okay. It is. Because, yeah, I mean, that, that was a big deal, right? It was like. Absolutely. Is, and it's not just that they went to China. It's that they had this undefeated fighter who won the belt in China emphatically in like a weight division where she knocked out the only other girl who was really knocking people out in that division. Um, and she looked great doing it. She looked like, you know, she looked like in a class of her own. It's one of those things is like when you see a champion and you're like, I'm not sure who beats them. You can kind of say that about Wei Li Zhang. Um, you know, so kind of the weird thing of where it is where I was saying in, like in a vacuum, you know, China in the MMA sphere is still relatively positive. You know, we're in the, in the NBA sphere, when the video games, where in human rights, um, everything is vastly, vastly negative with China. Um, 2019 was just a year where China dominated the headlines. Um, and it, it, it and the MMA sphere was not immune to it. Um, but yeah, they have a new star in a new market, um, and she won pretty damn emphatically. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, exactly remember a lot of the the post-fight interviews for a lot of the Chinese fighters that won on that particular card where Wei Li won the belt, but it was in in China and it was, felt very propagandy whenever any of the Chinese fighters fought. It was it was just all about the love for for China and I mean it's not something that is very different from when you go to other countries that have UFC events where you know there's a lot of nationalistic pride but they aren't at the same very time very different. They aren't at the same time beating the shit of protesters while they're doing the nationalistic stuff. Um Mark, I think uh what you were saying, I mean I don't know, I don't want to I don't want to predict your answer so go ahead, but I think I know where you're going. Go ahead, man. Oh, okay. Um, probably. Uh, I, I think Stefan brings up a great point. I think in a, in a larger picture, China is more of a thing that has come to um, the forefront this year. Um, just focus on MMA, though. I'm going to look at uh, the rise of Jorge Masvidal, which yep. maybe was what yeah, Bob was alluding to. Because um, for me, I think you can kind of look at the peaks and valleys of popularity of MMA, and I think it's all dependent on their stars and what their star power is doing for them that year. You know, UFC hit its biggest peak with Ronda and McGregor, and now obviously Ronda's gone, and McGregor has been very sporadically in the uh, MMA game. So they need stars, and and Jorge is such an interesting star that they that has come to fruition in this year, and probably something that a lot of people didn't expect. He put in the work, he got the W's he needed, um, but like Steph alluded to earlier, it was really off the back of Ben Askren's popularity and drum beating that got everyone excited for his match with Jorge. But then obviously it was Jorge capitalizing on that moment. You know, he couldn't just beat uh, Ben Askren. He had to beat him emphatically. He had to get the quickest knockout in UFC history. And that's what he did um, in impressive fashion. And in today's landscape of gifts, um, that flying knee was easily to circulate around. It was easily, it was a great promotional tool for him to become the star that he is. And 
honestly, you know, he couldn't do that just with the knockout. He had to back that up, and that's what he's been doing since that win. Not only backing it up with another victory over Nate Diaz in a super high-profile fight with the BMF belt, but also everything outside of that. Talking to the media, he's been extremely charismatic. He's been extremely engaging and interesting. Um, and he, he doesn't really have this persona of he's – I mean, he does trash talk. He's talking about – baptizing all these guys which is kind of a ni nice funny way of saying he's like he's doming these guys he's knocking them out but you know he doesn't do it in such like mcgregor can kind of push people the wrong way he can be very kind of anti uh anti antagonizing to his opponents and jorge is to a degree too but there's there's a, there's a respect there that you know these are all professionals and there there is just a paycheck at the end of the day which Absolutely. is motivating the trash talk but i just think he's this is a sport that that craves and uh, really feeds off its stars, and it is in need of stars right now. And Jorge's, you couldn't find a more deserving guy for this spotlight, and someone who's really basked in it. Hopefully, his his star will shine bright for you know a while to come here. I think there's some big fights up ahead, but regardless of how those goes, regardless of where he ends up in the win loss column, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to draw consistently, and hopefully, kind of like what we saw Ben Askren. Other fighters might make a name off of him, or he might even elevate some guys as well. You know, so I feel like you know, rising tide raise all boats. This is a tide that can really get behind, and I feel like the fights that are, are to come are going to be very entertaining. I think that he's going to be able to get people excited for the sport again, which is something that when we talk about this year is something that we really need. Yeah, um, mine actually. Um, for me, it's the UFC and ESPN relationship. It's something that the UFC has really been working towards all these years. And they really seem like a match made in heaven. And the way Jorge Masvidal has been become as big of a star as part of that is that the man has just lived on ESPN for the last half of the year. He was on Levitard show, Mike, I want to say like six times. Um, just on there all the time. Right now, if any of you go to ESPN.com, you just scroll a little bit on the page. It's going to tell you watch UFC on ESPN Plus. And the picture is Jorge Masvidal kneeing Ben Askren in the face. And this relationship as a whole, UFC and ESPN, it's everything the UFC's always wanted in terms of being treated legitimately, like being one of the big sports. Being on ESPN gives them that. And the U and ESPN needed something to make their ESPN Plus to, to, for their ESPN Plus, Plus platform to hang on. Some, some value add really there. And before that, it was a bunch of like, there was some good stuff on there, like the Kobe detail show and some regional sports you want getting other places, but being the exclusive home of a sport with a very diehard fan base really was big for ESPN. And they'll talk about it on their like you look like, but ESPN's like media conference calls and their like quarterly earnings reports. We'll talk about how successful ESPN Plus has been, and that really comes from the UFC. So I think this UFC and ESPN relationship has been great for both parties. And really, if more fighters can do what Jorge did, and you know. The other ones who get on TV really be good for elevating the brands of a lot of these guys. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, in regards to that, I don't remember exactly what the number was, but I remember before the uh, TJ and Henry fight, which I think was the first uh, UFC on ESPN Plus card. I think a, a shit ton of it. people signed up yeah, right they before, uh, like the day of that fight. Mm. So um, it was a good way to gauge just how much you know interest. Um, you know, UFC on ESPN Plus was uh, was getting. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I was gonna mark this as a moment of the year, but since Steph already talked about it here on the story of the year, um, it is Wei Li Jiang, and 
and China. Um, I think this is going to be a big deal for uh, for the UFC. Um, they had already been making, I think, bigger forays into into Asia, and particularly in, in China. And I think having a you know a, a Chinese uh, champion will only help speed that process along. So for me, it's um, it's Wei Li Jiang winning the championship and what it means in the future. Yeah, the international expansion. All right, next category. We're actually going to talk about moment of the year more towards the end. Just, just uh, one thing. How exactly are we picking winners here, especially when all of us are picking kind of different things? There's no winners. Well, it's everybody has their – we're giving out multiple awards. Hey, man, Wei Li Zhang in China just got two awards. All right? <laughs> Mike, if there was a, a physical Hall of Fame, there would just be four wings. And yeah. Put ever who the hell we – if, if we sat here arguing this out, this would be a five-hour podcast. Um, let's do uh, knockout of the year. And here's some of the knockouts of the year. These are the ones we're considering. Um, Jessica Andrade uh, slamming Rose Namajunas on her head. Um, Anthony Pettis with that beautiful Superman punch that put down Wonderboy Thompson. Chef uh, Shenko giving Jessica I a head kick that landed so flush they had to not show us Jessica I for a good minute, it felt like. Um, and then finally, uh, Jorge Masvidal over Ben Askren, the knee, the fastest knockout in UFC history, and that's my pick. Stefan, what's your pick? We don't I have mean, to dilly-dally. <laughs> I mean, that one's such an obvious one, and, and it's not wrong. But I just got to give shine to the Nunes one. Or not uh, Nunes, sorry, Jessica Andrade one. Yeah. How often do we get a true slam KO? Like, those it are was not, rare, That fight man. was not going well for her like, either. The fight was yeah, not going she, well. She was getting pieced up. It was like... <laughs> Oh, Jessica looks a little slow. She doesn't have great reach. The stick and move thing's really working. She can't get the clinch. She can't get the power. And then that one scramble happens, and she just absolutely puts Rose on her head. And it's a true knockout. It's yeah. like you look at Rose on the ground, and it's like, okay, she's concussed. Like, you don't get a lot of those. And some of the ones we have historically, there was a secret headbutt in there that that's what actually caused the knockout, you know, not mm. the slam itself. So, like, just for everything that came from it, it it's 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 uh, Jorge's like you know insanely fast knee, but goddamn, if there is a challenger to the throne, it's that slam. Man, Mark Stefan goes. Quentin just fat ass Quentin Jackson just lost on fucking Saturday, and Stefan's got to dig in deep and try to take the Arona knockout away from him and just say headbutt. Jesus, um, what do you got for this one, buddy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also doing Masvidal and the, the knee. Um, I, I think there there's a ton of contenders we didn't even talk about. Uh, yeah, Overeem's last loss, you know, uh, his big face boy exploded in the last second, um, and just making his face explode. You can't even talk about. It. I mean, the knockouts. There's usually a plethora of, but nothing really captured. You know, I think mainstream media like that uh, Masvidal knee and, and records as well. So I think that's kind of it. An easy contestant, but everything you mentioned here was great. Pettis over Thompson was another great one. Um, Shoshenko, that head kick on Jessica I was amazing as well. I mean, shit, Wei Li Zhang uncorking that combo and putting down Jessica and Draj was great too. I didn't even talk about it. Um, Izzy beating Robert Whitaker. Oh, well, we're, yeah, that's going to get some love later on here too. Mike, what do you uh, what do you got for this one? Uh, I'm going with uh, Jessica as well on this one. I thought I was actually going to be... Really? Um, wow. I didn't expect I, to have such division on this one. <laughs> I thought I was going to be by myself on this one, but it's really for the same reasons that Steph said. I mean, Rose was winning that fight, and if not for one, it seemed one small mistake Rose made getting in the clinch and letting Jessica get her hands on her, 
maybe Rose keeps her title. I mean, that slam was insane. Was she um, going for an armbar? Was she going for some sub that she did it? Does anybody remember how the circumstance of that sub slam hand happened? Or am I imagining? I think, I think it was Rose was attacking some type of sub, if I'm right. And Jessica just big manned her and just slammed it to the ground. I mean, okay. Um... I think that's it for this category. Yeah, We're moving on to the next one. That's my of the year. Yeah, let's do uh, submission of the year, which this one I listed some nominees here, folks. But if anybody just – I w- w- this was – I think this is debatable, um, you know, which way uh, – like, I mean, there's a lot of open uh, interpretation of what really was the sub of the year. Um, for some of the nominees, though, I got here. I got uh, Corey Sandhagen with a sweet arm bar. Uh, over uh, Mario Batista back at uh, UFC uh, Fight Night on January the first January UFC Fight Night I believe January nineteenth. Um, we got um the only made a second ever twister, um in the UFC. Uh, Mitchell landing that over Sales. Don't ask me to come up with the guy's first name. Um, Damian Maya over Ben Askren real naked choke happening a month or two back, and then uh Marlon Moraes. On the run he was on, murking everybody. The guillotine he got on Rafael Assunção in the first round. Um, I'm gonna go, and this is gonna be weird. And I don't. This is gonna be the one if anybody's gonna complain about our awards. It's gonna be this one. I'm gonna go with Marlon Moraes over Rafael Assunção because, and I mean, I mean, we we talk about Assunção fights a lot on this podcast because they tend to go to decision and not be terribly exciting, and the decision ends, and the fight ends, and Asun Sao's won two rounds. Um, Marlon Moraes was beating everybody about in a minute and a half on a stretch here, and he beat up and choked Rafael Asun Sao in three minutes, which Rafael Asun Sao hadn't been submitted, I don't think, since the WEC. I could be wrong on that. I think he got knocked out once in, since in the middle there, too, but... Finishing Rafael Asuncao is damn near impossible. He gets to this. I mean, he gets. He got. He probably deserved the title shot. He didn't get at one thirty-five. We're being honest with ourselves. Um, but I was thoroughly and completely impressed with Marlon Moraes. Like even like when he was knocking out Aljo in a minute and shit like that. This was more impressive to me being able to finish Rafael Asuncao because people just don't do it. So, yeah, that's what I got. Mike, I think I know where you're going with this. Why don't you tell us your answer? Yeah, I think we've talked about this maybe two or three times at this point. I have a very simple rule. There's only been two of them so far. So if there's a given calendar year where a twister gets ripped off, that's going to be my submission of the year. Fair enough. Uh, Mark, what do you got? Well, sadly, it's the same one, and the, the reasoning is not much different. Um, That's fine, man. <laughs> for a year, yeah, a year with not a lot of standouts, um, not a fight that I was really tuned in for. The only thing I know about it is how it ended, but a, a very complex submission that takes multiple stages to set up and is you know very rare that we don't see in the octagon. I'll give that the nod. Um, Maya versus Askren was going to be my runner-up. By the way, this was a really just statistically we looked at we were, we saw the numbers how much how many fewer submission attempts. There even were in the UFC this year. It was like the lowest year ever for even attempts. Um, Stefan, what do you got for this one? I mean, I don't want to outright say it. It was a boring year for submission. No, that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah. It was just, it, it was slim pickings, right? You know, that's why you can go different ways. Um, I'm going to throw in my runner up as Ben Askren's bulldog choke on Robbie Lawler. 
that was but wasn't. Um, did oh, Robbie, okay. did Robbie's bad. arm go limp, or did he just not your pick? hold it? It, it? The bulldog choke is also a very uncommon submission. Um, mm. You know, I I just like Ben Askren, so he's basically retired. This is probably the last year I really get to talk about him. Um, that was fun, but Twister, yeah, they don't happen. You know, it's like someone I was like, does anyone get a heel hook? You know, there's only three guys I can pull those off. I mean, last year really we all get, we all gave it to Aljo for ripping apart that dude's leg with the Subalov stretch, and then Zabit did it an hour earlier or something. <laughs> Ty goes to who did it first. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, performance of the year, and this is really just an overall body of work in a fight. It could be fast, could be slow, but um, these are the ones I have listed. I got uh, Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Moraes. As I mentioned, the Moraes buzzsaw that was coming through. He was beating the shit out of Henry in that first round, I believe. And what we've come to learn is that Marlon only throws heat. And if you're still standing, come round three, he might have something for you. Henry Cejudo, um, I believe he won by knockout, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in late the third round, if anybody's got that in front of them, help me out. If not, I'll look into as we talk. Um, yeah, third round, uh, TKO, Henry Cejudo beat Marlon Moraes, became a double champion, uh, became Triple C, as he put it, because he was already an Olympic champion. Um, really just a huge moment. Um, another nominee, Israel Adesanya's complete and total disruption of Robert Whitaker. Um, we've talked about Izzy's stand-up and the confusion it can cause other people. And this was him doing it to... I mean, I was wrong. I picked Whitaker. Um, I don't think I was alone either. I think most of us did. Um, he looked like Bobby Knuckles didn't know what was happening to him, to be honest, in this one. Um, and Izzy put him down his second round, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dustin Poirier, beaten Max Holloway, got the jump on him, won the interim lightweight title. Five round of an entertaining fight, but uh, really a complete performance from Dustin Poirier. Kamara Usman, complete and total shutdown of Tyrone Woodley. Five nothing blank blanking of the champion and taking his belt back in March. Truly impressive. Not that exciting necessarily, but just a shutout he pitched right there. And yeah, that's the, one no one saw coming. Yeah. Like uh, he, it was conceivable Usman could win, but how he won, did, none of us called that. Did I, you I think I remember a lot of our analysis was Kamaru was a I don't want to say we called him a poor man's uh, Woodley, but it was pretty much to that effect. He was not there yet. Like he was, we thought he was Woodley before Woodley had reached his potential. Did you guys both pick Adesanya, Mike? You and Stefan? Do you remember who you guys, which you guys picked Adesanya? Uh, I, I know. Adesanya. I think two of us picked Adesanya. I th- I'm not I sure th- if I was one of them. I thought it was you two. I could, you know. Anyway, and then finally, uh, Stipe Miocic, um, pretty much uh, figuring out the DC puzzle. Um, after getting knocked out in the first fight, I think he got, he was getting his ass kicked in this one in the first round too, right, Mark? And um, came back and started to realize I can just pummel DC with body shots. And he did. Took back his heavyweight title. Um, performance of the year, um, I'm going Israel Adesanya. I was thoroughly and completely in awe of what he did to Bobby Knuckles. Because even if people thought he was going to win, I'm not sure people thought it was going to be that one-sided. So... It was him or Cejudo for me. Those were the only two nominees, in my opinion. So I got out of Sonya. Um, Mike, what do you got? 
I thought about picking Milosic over DC just because I thought that Milosic's strategy um, between like rounds two through I think what four or five when he finally stopped DC was was great you know going for the body um, during all that time but it was a great performance it was a great strategy per se but DC did get a lot of shots in on Milosic where he, he did get a lot of heavy uh, heavy blows to the head. So I wouldn't call it a very dominating performance from start to finish. Doesn't have to be, but, you know, we're looking for best in your opinion or not it, even best, just of the year. <laughs> well, in my opinion, performance of the year means which was the most dominating, you know, from, from bell to bell. So for me, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with uh, Adesanya over, over Whitaker. Uh, I may have, I may have picked Adesanya, but even so, I was expecting it to be a close fight because even though Whitaker was coming off a, a long layoff, per huge. Yeah, he always um, is. <laughs> I still thought that this wouldn't be a puzzle that Adesanya could possibly, uh, you know, figure out. And he passed again with flying colors. I think probably his best performance in the octagon. I don't think this is right. Oh, wait, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. Never mind. Sorry. Anyway, um, Stefan, what do you got for this one? Um, I'm basically give you a little sneak peek at pretty much every other pick for every other category. Um, the rest of these awards outside of female fighter of the year for me, it, they all belong to Izzy. Um, and as far as male fighters go, 2019 was his year. Um, he was just masterwork. Like he already was to an extent before this fight against Whitaker, but that whole event, it was like saying it was, he was truly a star born from the Absolutely. way he came out. You know, he had the dancing, he had the anime, but not being a joke like uh, the other flippy dude, like he lived it. They were in Marvel Stadium. Um, you know, we talk about China as a big market, but Oceania, Australia, New Zealand, it is a very passionate, very enthusiastic MMA fan base um, to pack an outdoor stadium like that. Um, and then it was like when Francis Nagano went, he's like, you see all of Izzy's family, they're like dressed to the nines in their suits. Like this is a man who was ready to be champion, not just Absolutely. ready for war. He was ready to be shamming. He's ready to be the man. And he prepared for it. He had his family prepare for it. just the entire package of all of it. You're like, you just look at that guy and be like, that's a goddamn star. And so no one shined like that besides, uh, is Anya in my eyes in 2019. Mark. Yeah, it looks like we have some consensus in this one. Um, I also thought Izzy had the best performance of the year. Um, there's some great nom nominees here, and kind of like what Mike said, um, you know, we had some combatants that had to overcome adversity in their fight and had to adjust their game plan. Uh, but there was no one quite as dominant throughout. You know, the biggest fight of their career, um, you know, Izzy's first crack at a title against a dominant champion that had, you know, kind of reigned over the division. You know, this was a huge test. Uh, fit well into his wheelhouse, you know. He didn't stylistically have a fighter that was ju juxtaposed to his skill set, but I, I think Whitaker presented a lot of interesting challenges, and Izzy just had no issues whatsoever. He dominated those uh, two rounds and finished it emphatically in the second. So yeah, I definitely give him performance of the year. Um, wow, a sweep. Um, I'm reading now that Jorge Masvidal and Henry Cejudo got into an argument on Twitter over who should be fighter of the year. Those are two of the people probably up there near the top with Israel Adesanya. Um, event of the year. This one's tough always to come up with because, quite frankly, these all bl blended together in my head. 
So um, shout out to the website Tapology for really helping me out here with this. Um, I got three nominees here. UFC 236, UFC 238, and UFC on ESPN Plus 2. I'd consider this last one with the three title fights, but I don't think it holds a candle necessarily to these other ones. ESPN, uh, fight UFC on, UFC on ESPN Plus 2 um, was headlined by Moraes and Asuncao. Um, it also had Jose Aldo smoking Hanato Moicano. Had Damian Maya. This is all the main card. Damian Maya getting a first round submission over Lyman Good. Uh, you also had Charles Oliveira getting um, David Tamor in an Anaconda choke. And you had Johnny Walker getting a 15 second knockout over Justin Ledette. Which I'm realizing we didn't give Johnny Walker any love on the walkout, on the knockout train here, but none of them were particularly him doing cool shit. Just him doing it fast. Those are all on the main card of this fight card. So. Um, UFC 238, another nominee of ours, had Henry Cejudo, Marlon Moraes, um, Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica I, both title fights, Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone, uh, fight stopped by Dr. Soppage, but 10 rounds of ass kicking before that, Peter Yon's, uh, Peter Yon's, uh, defeat of Jamie Rivera, and Blagoy Ivanov showing Tai Tuivasa that, hey man, you're just gonna get tired trying to beat me up, um, I gotta UFC. say, I, I, I <laughs> Blagoy being on the card made me think long and hard about that card. In a good um, way. I like me some Blagoy is what I'm saying. Um, this one, for a fight card, main card with four goddamn decisions, you'll know why it's on here, though. Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway, Israel Adesanya, Kevin Gasolum, two title fights, headline and thing. Honestly, the rest is inconsequential. But Khalil Roundtree, Eric Anders go to decision. Uh, Dwight Grant and Alan Juban go to decision. I think that might be the one where Alan Juban lost his mind when he lost the decision. Got real angry. And then uh, Nikita Krylov choking um, OSP. I I think the answer is the Cejudo Moraes Shevchenko I card to UFC 238 with Tony Ferguson and Cerrone on the card as well. For me, I, th that was it for me. Um, Mark, what do you got? Yeah. Um. Without a lot of contenders and, and no fault of your ball, it's like it's just hard to like. Okay, I have like I'm really looking at two events because I couldn't catch that ESPN Plus one when you were talking about it. So I'm just looking at these two, and it really comes down to it is mostly just the main card. Um, and it's really we have one card that had two fight of the years with Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway. Um, but both those fights went to decision, and I think what is strong about your card is we have a little deeper lineup with. Not just the main co-main, but also Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone, which easily could have been a main event in and of itself. Um, and all those fights uh, went to a finish. So I'm just going to agree with you with the Henry Cejudo one. I'm always going to give. I mean, a it's worth mentioning. Also, we probably saw some of these prelim fights because the prelims were Tatiana Suarez, Nina Ansaroff facing off. Grasso versus Carolina Kowalkiewicz was also as on the undercard too. So to be fair, I know I didn't because I was on my honeymoon. I just saw like those. Main fair ones. enough. But. Uh, <laughs> But they were great. Um, so, yeah, I'll give... Actually, no, I'm sorry. It was the other card that I was on my honeymoon. But, yeah, I, I thought this card was great. And I like the finishes. I'm going to give it a slight nod because of the finishes. So, there you go. Ste Stefan Blagoy. Stefan Blagoy. <laughs> I do like me some Blagoy. But um, as you can kind of tell from me saying that, it wasn't enough to swing it. Mm. For me, it was 236. And even if you just go with those two fights... Those were two of the best fights of the year. That I mean, you, you got super, my fighter. You got you got yeah. my fight of the year on that card. It, so yeah, it supersedes everything else. Um, for as amazing as Adesanya was against Whitaker, it kind of gives some you know in hindsight props to Gasolum kind of pushed him. You know, um, I don't believe Adesanya was ever truly rocked or truly hurt, but Gasolum got his shots in there. He gave him something to thinking about. You know, um, and 
also at the top, I know it was a decision. Um, maybe in hindsight, it loses some luster. But for me, that moment for Dustin Poirier was really, really big. And it's something I'm always massive. Um, massive. He didn't have the outside cred, but the way I view Dustin Poirier is very similar to how I view Eddie Alvarez. He's a guy I've liked for his whole career, and I never believed he had the skill set to win a belt. You know, um, there's a little funky circumstances because he was fighting a coming up in weight Max Holloway. It was an interim title. Did he really beat the true lightweight champion? You can semantics the hell out of it. But Dustin Poirier, he technically, technically the truth, as we were kind of joking before the podcast, he he got the pinnacle. He got that moment, and he had the performance of his career to do that. You know, no one had beat up like Max Holloway. We've seen Holloway lose, you know, most recently against Volkanovski. Uh, Volkanovski, he didn't beat his ass the way Dustin Poirier did. You know, Volkanovski, he, he was quicker to the punch. He got more volume. Max never seemed like he was truly rocked. Like, Max had to survive against Dustin. And that was credit to his heart, his chin, his durability. But Dustin put it on him. And, like, you know, maybe he's he's not the, the star of stars, but like I said, he's got that Eddie, like, he's a fighter's fighter. And if you can appreciate that, man, like, Cormier, like, I always love that Cormier says, like, no, nah, this guy's the king of Louisiana, not me. Not it's me, all, the double champ. I think a lot not of people stuff. Like, Dustin's a really cool guy. He's always fighting for his family. Um, I was just really happy for him to see him take it that night. I think people don't give Dustin. I think people also, not us, but a lot of people wrote Dustin off after he got smoked by Connor. But then you look at his record sometimes, and you look at how many few, few losses he has and who they're to. You're like, he's lost. Now it's like, Khabib. I mean, Michael Johnson loss isn't great, but Connor, Cub Swanson, Zombie, like, those are all big guys. I mean, you got to go way far back for his other loss, but, like, Dustin Poirier has been doing this a long time, and he's got a lot of quality wins. A lot of quality wins. Um, Mike, who do you got for this? Yeah, I mean, Dustin didn't beat the lightweight champ to become the interim champ, but you could say that he beat a current champion to become a champion in yep. a weird way, so... Um, still, still very big to beat Max Holloway, even though he came up 10 pounds for the fight. Um, I'm going to go with UFC 236 as well. Um, and I think the other card may have been what well, it was deeper when it came to high quality fights. But for me, the tipping point, um, and a little spoiler alerty, but my fight of the year was on UFC 236. So I think that a lot of our fight for me. I think we're going to pick that next. So let's just do it now. You, uh, fight of the year. Um, these are the nominees I got here. Uh, Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Moraes. As I mentioned, one guy dominating early. Big comeback win for Henry Cejudo. Cejudo. Um, Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. Just two big dudes bombing on each other. And despite what Yoel Romero thinks, he lost that fight. And he didn't get screwed. It was a close fight, but he lost. So he shouldn't get a title fight. Next. Barbarina versus Vincente Luque. Stefan, I remember when this happened, you're like, hey, hey, this, this is the fight of the year that isn't a title fight. This right here. Fight of the year that isn't a title fight. Um, I mean, if you just want two journeymen, like, going out on their shields, this is basically it. Um, and then, I like this. Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier. I have it on here. This isn't just like, I did some research here. A lot of people felt this fight should be on fight of the year contention. For a fight where one guy won pretty much all of it, like four rounds at least, Max kept throwing. And it was a entertaining fight that Dustin was winning. So that's up there. And then uh, Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum went to war. And a five-round title fight where the fifth round still needs to dictate who's going to win this thing is huge. 
And yeah, I mean, I've said it. Mike said it. I mean, those. I mean, that's my fight of the year. Mike, that's your fight of the year. Stefan, is that your fight of the year? I told you, Adesanya is taking uh, everything. Um, hell, Mark, he might even be the women's fighter of the year at this point. Uh, Mark, um, what do you got? Is that your fighter of the year too? <laughs> yeah, that was a masterful. Both guys, man. Both guys really gave us everything uh, we could ever ask for from a fight. Just incredible performance. And I've t- we say it every year. And it's just like I love watching when the greats get tested. And that was that was Izzy getting tested. You know, that was Gustafson testing John Jones. That's what this was. You know, he got he got tested by Kelvin Gastelum and it was great. Um let's do female fighter of the year. And I think there are three or three viable nominees. And all of them got one knockout and one decision. Um, first off, um, the female goat, Amanda Nunes. Um, Amanda Nunes, the last time, uh, we saw her fight was her taking on, uh, Miss Jermaine Durandamy, won a decision, a uh, fairly one-sided one. Uh, I think she won four rounds. Um, previously, earlier this year, she kicked Holly home in the head and that was back in July. Um, so... One knockout, one and one uh, decision for her. Um, next, Weili Zhang, big year for her. Beat Tisha Torres by decision back in March, and Tisha's tough as hell, hard to finish her. Um, and then uh, just uncorked a forty-two second ass whooping on Jessica Andrade, and back in August. Third nominee. The other, only other champion, female champion in the UFC, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, the bullet, um, took a, last time we saw her, hard fought, I think she won all, all the rounds. Yeah. A blank of Liz Carmouche. Couldn't finish Liz Carmouche, which I don't think a lot of people have, to be honest. Um, I could be wrong about that. Um, hasn't been done since Jessica Andrade did it to her. Fair enough. Before that, she kicked Jessica I's head off. Uh, back in June, um, knockout win for her. Those are the three. Um, I'm going Shevchenko. Mostly because she doesn't lose to anybody not named Nunez. And she revenged her loss, too, in that Karmash Karmush win. And shit, man. I kind of want to give her credit. That's why. Stefan, I think uh, you're going with Whaley here, I'm imagining, right? Uh, I am, you know, um, it's close. I can see the argument for everyone. Um, is there some voter fatigue with Nunez? A little bit, you know, I think we all expected a little bit more out of that last one, but I mean, winning an incredibly one-sided decision, you know, that's not, that's just how high the bar is for her, right? Um, we just wanted to see a finish. Um, Valentina, I hold it against her that that division just has no talent, no depth. There's the challengers, you know, it's, it's her on an island, so it's not. It's not to take anything away from her. The division's just too fresh. I mean, they, um, I mean, there's they just enough. cut. They just cut her last opponent. That was like there was like two contenders, and she beat both of them, and they cut one of them. So, so here we go. I give it to Whaley for the moment that it was of launching a new nation, basically, and you know one of the absolute biggest markets on the planet that every business wants to tap into. Like I said, 2019 is the year of China. But also, I believe personally that Jessica Andrade, of all the title challengers, she was just the most credible opponent of the division at the time that they fought. Um, So, I I like that win the most. You know, Holly's a big name. Holly's lost a lot, right? 
you know, none of us are surprised when Holly Holm loses. Yeah, that was also, um, I thought Jessica Andrade was getting a lot of disrespect. I mean, because she was the underdog in this fight. I mean, she lost in 42 seconds, so it is she what it like is. She was like a little tank monster in this division. Uh, she, uh, they almost didn't give her credit for beating Rose because of how poorly the fight was going before sure. the slam, but Definitely she won. shine on that, but I mean, yeah. she still won, right? No, I mean, she, people get, she, was gonna... she had run through the 135 division before One. she fought Rose. 115. I'm at 115, my bad. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. I think she got a lot of... Weird in a fight where she went by slam KO, you get a lot of disrespect, but I think um, that's what happened. And then, um, I, I won't keep this too long, but I did want to give shine to one female fighter who uh, didn't get mentioned. Um, I don't think she should win, but I think she's worth a mention. Um, and that's Alima Lay McFarlane. Um, just for the fact that she is a women's star in Bellator and... Can That's you name, fair. Can you name another women fighter in Bellator? She's headlining events for them. She's headlining in Hawaii, which we can't do for Max Holloway. We couldn't do for BJ Penn. You know, like there's a star quality about her, and I'd love to see her get a crack in the UFC someday. That's kind of where we're at with their division. But um, for her to become a star in another organization, uh, women's MMA is still pretty shallow. So uh, I give her a lot of props for just even achieving that. Yeah, and um, before we go to Mark here, I probably should have given some more credit to her and honestly to uh, Kayla Harrison because she's just running through girls in the PFL. And if she wins tomorrow, she will uh, – that will be four wins. And she'll win their million-dollar blah, blah, blah thing. That they're, I mean, I probably should give it more respect than that. But she uh, – that'd be huge for her. And we – I mean, Mike and I were talking about it earlier today at how, like, it'd be nice to get Kayla – to face Amanda Nunes, be a lot of fun. Um, Mark, what do you got for this? Yeah, um, it's an interesting field, and I feel um, some of the things Stefan said I totally agree with. I think there's a little bit of voter fatigue with Amanda Nunes and uh, Shloshmanko uh, because they've been in uh, the field for so long. I know I messed up her name. <laughs> just for anyone listening, that wasn't like an, uh, you know, a jab where Mark was just belittling her. No, I just I need to have her name in front of me for me to even be close to pronouncing it correctly. Um, I feel like they're in, they're both in positions where it's going to be hard for them to get a lot of credit. Um, it is. I feel it's very tough for defending champions to be as awe inspiring in, in their years where they have great. I mean, this was a fantastic year for Amanda Nunes. I, Holly Holm has dropped a lot of fights. She's never been knocked out in MMA before, and this was a knockout for Amanda Nunes. Um, and uh, Valentina. Um, you know, a good knockout with Jessica. I think I think she gets knocked the hardest because the field that she's in is just not as strong. Um, I am going with um, Wally. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Wally, because um, it's just the most impressive. She has a fantastic record. This was a really great year. Uh, Torres is a really tough woman to get the nod on, and then you know she capped it off with a quick uh, knockout of the the new champion. So um, I'm giving it to her. She's also just the 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 fresh face here this year and. I think that is tough because I feel like it's always easy to be the challenger. It's always easy to have that motivation when you don't hold the belt and you're fighting for the belt. It's so much harder when you're defending the belt for the X amount of times to still get motivated and get up for these fights, which Amanda and uh, Valentina have to do for theirs. Um, but it's just not nearly as exciting as the new up-and-comer. So I'm going with the up-and-comer. Very nice. Um, for me, I'm gonna be i guess the only one that gives props to amanda nunez um i'm picking her as my fighter of the year how dare you pick the greatest fighter of all time mike how dare you i, I can't believe i'm on an island on amanda nunez when was the last time that happened on this podcast uh but 
I'm giving her props for knocking out Holly Holm. Um, no one had done it before, and I think that's. I think she's still a very good fighter, one of the top fighters. So at 135 or at one or at 145, whichever division she's currently, you know, losing weight for. And when it comes to Jermaine Durand to me, um, she had proven herself at 135. Um, she was a legit, you know, number, you know, a legit contender for for the belt. And she was a much better fighter, at least going into the fight, than she was when she first fought Amanda. And Amanda made adjustments in the fight. So for me, it's Amanda Nunes. I thought that the quality of competition and the way she handled it this year um, deserves her being fighter of the year. All right. And the final award we're giving out, I think, unless I missed one. You may have missed the moment of the year. Oh, we're do I'm sorry. Second to last one because I want to end with moment of the year. Male fighter of the year. I got four nominees here. Kamaru Usman, um, two wins. Um, destruction of Tyrone Woodley. And hashtag MAGA jaw. Knocking out Colby Covington. Um, Henry Cejudo, another nominee. Putting down TJ Dillashaw in, I think, 30 seconds, maybe? 40 seconds? Um, and TJ Dillashaw was on, a, was, was on the entire medicine cabinet, apparently, entering that fight. And um, knocking out Marlon Moraes to become double champ. His description of his year was saved an entire division, became a double champ, everybody should bend the knee. That's his description of how the year went for Henry Cejudo. Um, Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal became a goddamn superstar this year. In terms of the fights, though, 3-0, and three knockouts. Knockout, Darren Till, eight minutes. Knockout, Ben Askren, five seconds. Knockout, Dr. Stoppage, 15 minutes. Nate Diaz. Um, one, two performance bonuses, got the fastest knockout in UFC history, and won a BMF title, which isn't a real title, but he did it. Um, final nominee. Three and zero, oh, two decisions, one knockout. Israel Adesanya, the last style bender, beat Anderson Silva, beat Calvin Gastelum in a barn burner, smoked Robert Whitaker. Um, other people probably Stipe Miocic. He went one and zero oh only though, so sorry Stipe, but the way he won was big for him. And uh, respect must be given to Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, I want to say he only won two fights though, unless. Uh, you guys know otherwise. Someone help me out if it's well. You, I, I, I don't. Sorry. I don't know what fights he won, but I also want to give a nod. No, we're not going to pick him. Obviously, he's not even on the list. No one's thinking about it. But I'm pretty sure Ryan Bader like won a yeah. Ryan, division well, I don't belt, think Ryan so. Bader took a Ron, didn't Ryan Bader not get punched for an entire tournament? I'm not sure if that was this year or last year, but he's kind of just been demolishing light and heavyweight divisions. Let over me there, let me so. let us give some credit here. So two and zero for. Um, Volkanovski, both decisions, but when you beat Chad Mendes and Max Holloway, it doesn't really matter how you do it, guys. Um, and then Ryan Bader, since let's give love to the man. Ryan Bader went. Buh, 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 buh. Okay, he only went 2 0 okay. this year. Now, a lot of that was last year. All right. And, he lo and that, uh, Chad Congo faked an eye poke to not lose by a, uh, to win by okay, knockout. That that that's part of it, too. <laughs> um, let's lead off with uh, Stefan. I know where he's going, but. He can speak to the greatness of the style bender. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I will say a very worthy runner-up for me is uh, Masvidal, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he won it for some of you um, on your picks this year, just because in terms of like mass appeal, 
Masvidal probably had the biggest year. But for me, what Adesanya represents is, you know, it hasn't technically passed, but he's next in line. And he, in terms, he ascended. You know, um, we had Anderson as this untouchable monster. Then Jones started, showed up, and he'm like, he's the next untouchable guy. Um, For me, Adesanya is next. You know, um, uh, fancy that. They're all a bunch of black dudes. uh, But, uh, you know, they're all from different walks of the world. But like I, I said when I was talking about him earlier, a, a star was a born, a, a guy who seemed ready, born for, destined for this moment. Um, it's not too big for him who wants it. And like Adesanya just ticks all those boxes. Everything about him, like this is the MMA purist in me, right? I, I can talk to mass appeal. I can talk to casual, uh, to casual fans. But at the end of the day, I'm a guy who's been doing a MMA podcast for several years been watching these on DVD, VHS, on cable black box since back when the sport started. I'm a hardcore fan, and what overrides everything as much as I pay attention to the greater narratives is pure fighting, and that's goddamn Israel Adesanya to me. He he's he's next, you know. Um, and hell, he might be now. He may not even be next anymore. But you know what he has that's where he is in the lineage for me. He has that thing that a lot of guys I, I, we, we talk about this. We're like, like he has the thing where when he's about to fight, you get a feeling in your gut, like I'm gonna see some cool shit. Like um, Connor has that. He has that. Ronda had that. M- respect to the man. Fucking Brock had that. Where like there's a star power combined with like the violence of their actions that you think you're gonna do see some wild shit. That most people cannot do. Exactly. You know. And- um. Like. Uh, Fedor had that. that or, it's an aura, too. Definitely. It's just an aura. People's Fedor still has it for people, man. Fedor will come out, and you can see the people like, I mean, it's hard now. We were watching on Saturday, guys. I don't want to talk about it more because I lost $2 to Mike, and I, a part of my soul died when Rampage came out and looked like, as he put it, a hippopotamus. Okay? Disappointing. But, yeah, and Izzy has that, too. Um, Mark, who do you got as your fighter of the year? Uh, yeah, I mean, it really came down to Masvidal and uh, Izzy, and I ultimately am going with Masvidal, and I think really when I break it down, it's the same comparison that Stefan made, really. It's, you know, what do I... It also came down to what do I find, What do I think is more challenging to overcome, you know, just having, like, to being, like, the best fighter or to break through to mainstream, and honestly, I just think it's to break through the mainstream. We've had a lot of, and I think Izzy will eventually do it. We've had a lot of fighters that can break through based purely on skill and showmanship. And like you mentioned, Bobby, that kind of wow factor and that you don't, you know, you're going to get a show every time this guy steps in, you're not quite sure what you're going to get. And that anticipation is, you know, very exciting and can sell tickets. Um, And I think that is great, you know, and I think Izzy is obviously a star. I think this is the year he kind of came into fruition. I think he's going to have a lot of good years coming up. I mean, he's already kind of angling uh, a mega fight with him, John Jones, and I think that would be a massive fight. Um, But for me, it it is just, I feel there are so few fighters that can really break through and and become a a mega star, you know, someone that the average fan kind of knows about. And Jorge has, you know, he, he did it to the best extent I think he ever will in his career. I think he'll never be as big this year. Um, as he will any other year, you know, I don't think his star is going to necessarily get much brighter. Um, Izzy, I think, I think is the other way. I think he has years, you know, if he has a mega fight with John Jones and wins that fight, you know, he easily becomes a mega star. But I think right now I'm just more impressed this year with Jorge getting those W's he needed, doing it in super impressive fashion, getting the fastest knockout of the year. 
Um, but then capitalizing that even more with the outside the octagon stuff. And Izzy is a great fighter, and he has some of that charisma as well. I think he's charismatic on the mic too. But Jorge is kind of on another level. He can, like you said, he's on the Lipitar show. He has a way of commanding interviews that just and he's just his his story. Not that these other fighters aren't their stories aren't interesting. He has a lineage that you can go to in YouTube and watch. <laughs> you can watch this guy bare knuckle fight and be like, oh shit, this guy's legit. Look at he's fighting Kimbo's apprentice and shit. He's, he was doing this shit when he was like 20 years old and you kind of, there's lots of footage on YouTube now. You can find his own YouTube channel and kind of find the story of Jorge Masvidal and learn, you know, who he is and what has made him kind of a superstar. And I just think that's super hard to do. I think there's there's really only been so many fighters in the sport that have transcend to the spot where Jorge is. Um, I think Izzy is, is well on his way. And if he starts defending that belt and has some really high marquee fights you know i think he's definitely going to get there as well but um i'm just super impressed with what jorge's done in inside and even more so outside of the octagon this year man had the biggest fight of the year in terms of numbers too um mike yeah so i'm gonna go with adesanya on this one uh three fights three wins this year his fight against anderson silva was also a fight of the night as well so um, he's turned in some really great, you know, just entertaining performances just at that, you know, not even counting the, the dominance that he displayed against Whitaker and not to belabor the point and beat a dead horse. Um, I think that Jorge would have been a great choice as, you know, Mark alluded to. And for the same reasons that, um, you know, Steph and Bobby picked out Asanya, I'm picking him as well. Um, I didn't pick anybody yet. I'm assuming but, you're picking out Asanya. Uh, you might be right. Okay. I told Bobby if he doesn't pick Henry, no one's Henry. Don't get votes from anybody unless it's Bobby. Bobby been throwing out that name all night. I, I'm about to talk about Henry, and, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> well, push it over for me. Um, at the end is just how captivating and much watch he became during this year. You know, um, you saw it happen. You know, you really started to get an inkling of it in 2018 when. Um, some people loved it, some people didn't, where after I think his first win in the UFC, he made the comment about, um, you know, I'm a dog and I just, I'm peeing all over the middleweight division. Uh, that was hilarious. Uh, I loved it and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to keep an eye on this guy. And sure enough, you know, 2019, he started it off, you know, defeating Anderson Silva and what I thought was a great fight, you know, uh, future you know future star coming up against the against an all-time legend and i mean what other person in their first championship fight because i'm not counting the interim fight but what other person in their first you know fight for a championship they decide you know what's a good idea let me spend time to do a dance routine with my boys when we enter the arena I mean, that's confidence and, you know, that's confidence in yourself that you don't see very often. And Izzy has it in spades. I think Anderson did the air guitar after he knocked out Rick Franklin, right, guys? That Yes. <laughs> that was after. Um, I'm going to talk about the man just for a moment, but I think it's mostly – Mark, remember we talk about this where, like, we have a real recency bias problem when we do these things? Sure. Where it's like, Henry hasn't fought in six months, but he only has two wins. That's why I'm not picking him. But two knockouts and two title fights. 
And TJ Dillashaw tested positive in both the pre and post fight. TJ Dillashaw's piss was glowing. All right. It was radioactive. All right. Um, I'm going with Israel Adesanya. Um, I was, it's, I, it was for me, it went Izzy, Jorge, then Henry. Um, much respect to Kamara Usman, by the way, whose year got more impressive, as I was saying, discussing it earlier as his podcast is going on, on, on. Cause he, we, it needs to be stated again. He destroyed Tyron Woodley. Like, that wasn't even a little close. Incredible performance. But I'm going to go with Israel Adesanya. Um, man's a goddamn star. If we were doing Breakthrough Fighter of the Year, it'd still be Henry, uh, Jorge Masvidal and Israel Adesanya at the top, to be honest. Just two, two huge stars. Um, Izzy's the man now. And... I'm, ex- I mean, if you go out there and fucking they give him Yoel Romero and Yoel Romero, you know, knocks him out in the fifth round and goose steps around the octagon, I'm going to kill myself. But I got to go with Izzy on this one. Jorge had a massive year and I'm the happiest I've ever been for a fighter to become a star. Him and Nate Diaz, really, when Nate became a star a couple years ago. But it was, it couldn't have happened to a better person. But I'm going with, um, with Israel Adesanya, um, with, Second place being Jorge and third place being Henry Cejudo for what he achieved. So, yeah. Um, last year, by the way, before we do moment of the year, I want to look. I'm looking at last year's just to let you guys uh, know what happened. Three of us, all of us except Mark, chose Cormier as fighter of the year, and Mark took Henry last year. All of us took Nunes as fighter of the year last year, which it's also the year she knocked out Cyborg. So fair enough. All right, um, moment of the year. And I listed some nominees here, but really just whatever you want was your moment of the year. Um, I'm so excited to talk about my moment because none of you will pick it. And maybe only one of you will remember it. Not your moment of the decade. We're talking about that later because we talked about that the other day. Your moment of the night. Your moment of the year, sorry. What was your moment of the year, Stefan? You are your side. It's the same because it's just the greatest moment in the history of MMA for me because it was fucking ridiculous and as i look back bobby you know what night it occurred it occurred on my birthday it was a personal yeah. gift on september the 14th mark you hung out with me we had pizza yeah i was with mike it was i was in new york mike was talking about a man confident enough to do a dance well this man was confident enough to do a dance he was confident to have two verses of that dance on his 20 minute walkout that is michelle Pereira, a light heavyweight who came in and fought at welterweight did Jushin Thunder Liger has nothing on what this man tried to pull off in the cage, doing like double spring, backhand stand, like windmills. He was trying to be Eddie Gordo in the cage. Like, I had never seen a fight like this. Fighting on late notice, a guy from like Nova Scotia, Canada named Tristan Connolly. This man is basically the Rudy of MMA. He is a late fight replacement, never fought in the UFC, historically fights at lightweight uh, or featherweight. And basically, you could see these guys in the cage. And it was, like, pretty clearly, like, a 40 to 50-pound weight discrepancy. Like, it was absurd. And what happened with Mr. Eddie Gordo? The dude fucking gassed. And all of a sudden, in Canada, this pale-as-a-ghost white boy from the deep north of Canada started, started getting the takedown. He started chasing the submissions. He absolutely, on his life, could not finish them. 
Like, I think we had, that was the joke with Mark back and forth was, like, he he knows what they are. He absolutely cannot complete them. There is no threat to him finishing this fight whatsoever. But he fucking took the scorecards. I think he was, like, a 9-to-1 underdog. I mean, it wasn't the biggest upset in the history of MMA, but it frankly deserved to be. I was, like, on my feet that whole There was a fucking CNN article about this nonsense. Like, That's how much nonsense it was. I mean, it was a it, CNN article. It'll be lost in the ether because in the grand scheme of things, both of these guys are nobodies in the sport. You know? Like, Pereira, he's fun, he's flashy, he's accomplished nothing. Connolly, if he makes it two more fights in the UFC, I'll be amazed. But, like, this just encapsulates the beauty of sports. That you just need to be great one night, one time in your life. To have that moment, like Eminem said, you know, would you take that chance or just let it slip? You know, and Tristan Connolly, he lost himself. Thank you in the music, <laughs> in the moment. He never ever let it go. Stefan's committed to this analogy. <laughs> Holy cow! Like I said, I just needed to bring it up because this is something that'll be lost to the ages and people will forget about. But holy cow! For a moment, like 2019 was a year I was not very excited about MMA. And holy cow, was I excited about everything from start to finish in this fight. This wasn't the first time someone did something extremely stupid in the octagon. And well, I mean, folks, hold, wait, I was going to say, everybody hang on for Stefan's 2020 uh, moment of the year. is going to be when Diego Sanchez takes on Michelle Pereira. Because Diego Sanchez, I'm looking forward to just the looks on his face when this kid does this dumb shit. He's going to look so angry when he's yeah. doing these, like, no-hand flips. He's going to have steam coming out of his ear like Yosemite Sam. That's what's going to happen. Mark, what's your moment of the year? Uh, yeah, there wasn't a ton of really big contenders. So this one I'm just picking just because I think it's just funny and just desserts. Um, uh, was, I mean, a, a recent fight, maybe that recency bias, maybe it's just because it's still fresh in my mind. But uh, Usman breaking Colby Covington's jaw was just really just desserts. It was just really funny. I mean, and this was also a year where I became very impressed with what uh, Covington can do in the octagon that like I discussed before, breaking down that fight, I was I I was thoroughly impressed with what he was able to do with Robbie Lawler. Um, but like the vast majority of people, I did not like his form of trash talking. I did not like him taking like the most disgusting elements of our current pre- presidency to kind of justify his trash talking. And I mean, and ultimately him just breaking his jaw in that fight um, for a guy that talks as much shit is just really just desserts and is very poetic and fun. And you just don't really see that. I mean. Honestly, Bobby will disagree me disagree with me on this front. I don't wish any like potential ill will against him to the point where like I don't want him to like be suffering throughout his life. But as you know, if I mean, look at uh, Kanye West broke his jaw; he's fine. So uh, I think Cody Cody will be fine as well. Uh, and maybe this is just a stark lesson for him to learn. I think that would be apropos. But uh, yeah, I think that that was that was an interesting moment. You know, having the, that that come. That happened in the fight for a guy who talks as much trash as Kobe did. It was just very funny. And Usman getting that win and just kind of solidifying all that hate speech and stuff was just very nice. Nice way to kind of round off the year, I suppose. I just, I mean, Stefan, if like, if I had to give you, if we were going to put odds on Mark making a Kanye West reference on this podcast, what would you put it as? Uh, That was a pretty good one. It took it took three hundred and sixty three episodes, so I'm like it's like a plus one thousand. Um, Mike, 
What do you uh? What do you got? Mark for bonus points. What is the name of the Kanye West? There's no way. That, no way. Uh, he. Oh, I know. He, he Obviously, I know that one song show. through the wire, Mike. God, Jesus Christ! I didn't see that coming either. That's what I knew about Kanye was, before was he was popular. Great. That's why when he became popular, I was like, I remember this stupid guy broke his jaw for two years into shit, and he came out with some song about speaking through his broken jaw. I'm not buying any of this college bullshit. He's. <laughs> Mark was on the fuck Kanye West train oh, ten years ago. Right. Ten years ago. <laughs> I I like that. I like that Bobby was so confident. Mark wouldn't know. I didn't the think there was a chance. Was. And Mark came back with, "Of course I know that." Song. I thought there wasn't a chance. He just called Shevchenko Shlomenko. That's and true. Now he, <laughs> All I'll right, because uh, back when Kanye came out is probably the last time like you guys listened to music. So uh, that sounds that seems right to me, Mike. Uh, you know, for me, I am double dipping on my story. Um, um, well, for Steph's story of the year and my moment of the year, um, I marked it as the post fight. Um, right after the fight was over, when um, Jang became the champion. Um, you don't normally find very raucous crowds, I think, in uh, in Asian markets. And that was a full-throated and not because it's a communist uh, regime type of enthusiasm that that Chinese crowd showed. Um, it gave they had a world champ. They were hyped. It gave me goosebumps at, you know, at 7.30, you know, 8 a.m. in the morning. Um, it was it was a good way to, to get amped up for the day when, when Zhang won that, that title. Um I thought it was great. I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously none of us except for Steph are Asian here. But, you know, every so often you have offhand conversations as to who the first whatever uh, champ is going to be. And I know whenever there was a, you know, halfway decent Asian of any sort who uh, started making, you know, hay in the UFC, we thought, oh, maybe it'll be him. I remember for a while people thought it would be Yushin Okami. He even fought for the title against Anderson but didn't win and then I know that um we probably thought it might be the Korean guy who just uh got knocked out last week what's his name Bobby what are you talking about well I wanted you to do ho oh sorry there we go. Uh, they were, I, th I thought you were talking about Korean zombie for a moment I'm like wait what oh, wait, that, <laughs> actually uh, that's my bad there were a bunch of Koreans that just fought last week so they were in how. Korea the entire, the two thirds of the card was Korean. <laughs> well, you know, I don't see color, Bob, so that's the the issue there. But for me, I'm picking Jang um, in the post fight after she beat Andraj as my moment of the year. I thought that was special. Um, for me, it was just like it. It all came together in the weigh-ins for this, and it was this whole BMF title thing, and at the weigh-ins. Jorge's doing his thing where his hands are behind his back. Nate's just staring at him. And The Rock is standing between them holding a belt that says baddest motherfucker on it. And I was just like, we did it, guys. We did this. This happened. We all worked together to achieve this moment where they main evented a pay-per-view in Madison Square Garden for a fake title that says motherfucker on it. And then the people's champ, The Rock, gave it to one of them. And we made... Two guys who grew up poor, fucking rich, man. Well, one of them was already rich. The other one became rich. That whole th moment was made me so like, eh, that was it, man. That was, 
it was so it was like I'm looking at some of our stuff, our picks from last year, and a lot of it were negative. And like this was something that made me happy. It just made me happy. I was enjoyed it. You know, Bob, so, I just want to say I think you're right about all of it. And I don't know where you guys feel on this. It's really not Mosfidal's fault whatsoever. But that the ending was so anticlimactic and it got uh-huh. doctors up. That hurt, that just took a lot of luster off of it for me. Like I, oh, I can yeah. appreciate the grandeur of it. I can like everything you're saying. I 100% agree with. But just like in general, why why I didn't vote for uh, Jorge on things like that? Why these weren't my moments? These weren't my stories was- when they were sh- arguably very you know very realistically could have been should have been was just that ending. The the what? if you don't nail the landing as you know with Game of Thrones, your Star Wars is. You, it, we, we just want to reiterate again that we think that's all. we want to reiterate, reiterate again that we don't think the state of New York deserves any fights. Yeah, I want to point that out again. They should go back to New Jersey. So I, I don't know where you guys landed on that. Like it was great, it was everything, but that just hurt it for me. Well, I mean, my moment of the year is not even the fight, man. It's peak. It peaked for me the night before at the weigh-ins. That was it, and that was all in itself. Though I loved every moment of that. Um, and okay. I want everybody to make a prediction because this podcast is long as fuck. A prediction for 2020, ideally MMA related. Doesn't have to be necessarily, but ideally. It could be a big prediction, small prediction. Um, Mike, this was your idea. So what do you got? All right. So I got two things. One of them is not MMA related. Um, we're going to be in for four more years of Trump, boys. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that was the segment all was all about. Mike, you just want to bum us the. Fuck yeah, Mike, Jesus, you right? Trying to do this just so you could be a goddamn bummer. You know what? We're going. We're not going to in and out after this. We're going to Burger King because of that. Just for that comment. But okay, what's your MMA? One? I mean, if you've never had the Hershey Sunday Pie, it actually is to die for at Burger. You know, we we can get that on the way home if you want. In addition to your double double from In and Out, but go ahead. <laughs> Uh, no, the um, my MMA prediction is that Conor McGregor will fight three times this year, and none of them will be for the belt. So you got Cerrone fight. I got Cerrone. Uh, Masvidal, Nate Diaz. I've got Cerrone, Gaethje, then Masvidal at the end of the year. You think Gaethje's just not getting this title shot, huh? He's gonna get fucked at the end of the day. No I title think, shot for Gaethje. I think that Conor wants to fight. Two guys who are at lightweight, at 170, who aren't going to try to take him down. So that way, you know, he could have a, you know, opportunity to style. And then he'll take a fight at the end of the year that'll get him really big money. Okay. Um, Mark, what do you got? Oh, well, my MMA prediction, my took a lot of heat off because it's almost exactly the same thing. Um, I was, it was mostly going to be about Connor. Um, I'm predicting that Connor will fight Jorge. And that will be the biggest fight of the year. Uh, uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I really hope that comes. I, I, I'm all, I, I want that more than him versus Khabib too. Way I, more. Yeah, Not even close. I don't have a ton. Of, I mean, I, look, it, honestly, I, I'm excited. I hope Mike's prediction of Connor just fighting a lot next year, which I think could very much be real. I think he has that itch again. Um, I hope that is the case. I want to see this guy compete more because he is a really amazing talent. Um, I would love to see him and Jorge fight because uh, I just think the build up to that fight will be amazing. I mean, I think stylistically those two match up so well um, to have a really fun fight. Um, and I just like how I- I'm very interested to see if that fight comes to fruition. I mean, obviously Connor will have to get past uh, Cerrone um, and he'll have, and if, if he does, so we'll have some momentum going to that fight. But 
I love the narrative that Jorge has already that basically Dana doesn't want this fight. And Jorge's already said, like, oh, yeah, you heard the promotion. They don't want me to fight this guy. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> like, he, he said that so calmly. That's a great sound by his, like, he could just keep going back, like, man, Dana, I, look, I'm, I'm looking to make a lot of hey, money man, here, it worked. I don't want to kill this kid. I don't know what we're doing here, but, I mean, I think there's a lot of fun ways. Of- well, it fucking worked because a couple, like an hour, a couple hours ago, Dana White's talking how Connor wants to fight three times. There's you, Mike. And that he wants Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. So there you go. Everybody going to get yeah, paid. So that, that, that's my MMA one. My my non, <laughs> non-politic one as well. Um, I'm just excited for next year in video games. The beginning half of the year just looks fucking amazing for the current gen of consoles. And then comes uh, holiday 2020. We're going to have the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. And I'm very much anticipating the games that will come out, uh, the launch titles for those systems. Uh, video games are going to be very exciting next year. And I'm very excited for it. Um, Since we're doing a non-MMA one too, let me just say, I think the Niners are going to the Super Bowl. Just, I'd make me very happy. Yeah. I didn't say win it. Say they're going. Because I'm very scared of Baltimore and Kansas City. Um, MMA, um, this time next year, John Jones will have either fought for the heavyweight title, will, and been, I mean, he'll either be the heavyweight champion or have fought for the heavyweight title or it'll be on, it'll be scheduled. Nice. I think he's serious. And I don't think it's him just athletically testing himself. So I think, I think he recognizes there's no paychecks to be made fighting these kids. He's scared of Izzy. Yeah. My little brother the other day asked me, said, what my little brother, who's now the biggest Adesanya fan, that's one of my honestly part of my factors in why Adesanya was my fighter of the year. My little brother asked me, What what do we need to do for Khabib to fight Izzy? And I'm like, Izzy needs to remove his leg? Or Khabib needs to just eat. New Zealand so needs to go to war with Russia, and it's not an MMA fight. They're just fighting. I mean, I I let me to be clear, I would love to see that. That would be incredible. Um, anyway, that was those were mine. Um, I think John Jones is serious. I think he's going up. Just to ruin DC's <laughs> retirement. Stefan, what do you got? Well, shit. It went Connor Connor. And uh, Bob, you kind of stepped into the same territory I was going. Uh, my bold prediction for 2020 is John Jones will suffer his first real loss Ooh. in the year 2020. And if he stays at light heavyweight, it's... Uh, Izzy one Johnny two, Walker time, baby. Uh, Izzy comes up to light heavyweight after one or two defenses and uh, decides to embarrass him at the end of the year. Ooh. Or uh, John Jones goes up to heavyweight, um, and those chicken legs are a little bit more weight than he can carry, and Stipe knocks him the goddamn F out. Um, yeah, I think I think Jones loses his first real fight. Watch if he cruises the one I don't think it'll happen. But, um, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think this is the year. Because, uh, like I said, the guy who's ready to grab the baton is standing there now. So it's okay. It's You know, that'll do, pig. That'll do. You can move on to the uh, the next pasture. Um, my personal one, you know, call it New Year's. I'm going to just be optimistic with it. I'm going to be personal with it. Uh, 2020, I'm going to get my fitness on. I'm going to meet someone this year. I'm giving myself positive goals, positive things to aim for. Got a lot of friends getting married. Somebody teach me how to share some how to share something on Bumble to somebody else. Because I found the woman for Stefan. Bobby really wants to send me a girl, but I don't got the app. <laughs> well, I swipe right on her, so if she swipes with me, I'll be like, look. It wasn't for me. It wasn't, it wasn't for me. I appreciate the interest, but I, I I got a man for you. Don't worry. It's a good man. Um anyway. Um 
This is already a long podcast, so we're not going to do a stuff we like. So I'm sorry if you guys planned that at all, but we're already at an hour and a half. We can do them for, do them for next week because, quite frankly, there's no MMA for another. There's no relevant MMA for uh, two oh, weeks, at least two yeah. weeks. We have two, we have two weeks till Connor and Cowboy, which, as Mike pointed out, really good card on paper, though. Right, Mike? Yes. yes. Sorry. <laughs> That's the kiss of death, though, on paper. Mm. Like, on paper, like, never works out. It's only like three weeks away, so you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, um, it's the. Uh, let me let's just talk about it real quickly. We'll I'll mention it real quickly. Connor versus Cowboy, Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington. Ooh, I like that for my girl Rocky. Alexei Olenek versus uh, Maurice Green, Claudia Gadelia, Alexa Grasso, Anthony Pettis, Carlos Diego Ferreira, Roxanne Modafferi, Macy Barber. I like that one. Um, we also what? Poor Roxy. Oh yeah, that's gonna go bad. <laughs> That's going to go so bad for her. Uh, Touchy Feely returning against Sadiq Youssef. And we got Drew Dober on the card. Chaz Scaly, JJ Aldrich, Justin Ledette. Some good fighters. So, um, and we know Cowboy's probably making like 30 grand extra, right, Mike? That's our joke for this. You know, he got like a probably little 10%, you know, employee bump. <laughs> bump. He's getting a little <laughs> three piece in soda on the side. Exactly. Um, uh, just this is the last show of 2019, and I want to thank you guys again so much for listening to this podcast. Um, we straight up just do this for fun. Uh, we apparently can't get credentialed by Bellator anymore either, so we've lost somehow lost credibility this year, guys. Le- literally, we've literally lost credibility. Okay, <laughs> um, but thank you all for listening. Um, follow us on Twitter at It's I'm Amazing. I think we're at It's I'm Amazing Radio on Instagram. Mike is committed without me, without knowing. I just committing him right now to being more. We're gonna be more active on Instagram because fuck Twitter. Uh, Mike, did our video archive, or is it one of those things where you had that minute to watch it and it's gone forever? Uh, we have it archived on the It's Some Amazing Instagram page. So if you wanted to go watch it, you could. But uh, yeah, it like you can't find it on Instagram anymore. See, oh, you can't find it on Instagram anymore. No, because it's a story. You got to. I don't know how that shit works. So never mind, you can't see it. It's lost to the annals of time. You should follow us from next time. Maybe you'll see what we look like. Exactly. Um, but yeah, guys, we really appreciate you all listening to us. Um, this was our sixth year doing the podcast. Almost six full years. March will be six full years. No, seven full years. Fuck me. Um, it'll be seven. Jesus Christ. I can't do math. We're already at seven years. It's about to be eight full years at that point. We started in March 2012. Anyway. Thank you all for listening. Um, favorite moments of the year for me, every Monday doing this with the guys because this podcast is part of the reason that Mike comes and visits from New York and he is excited to go see Mark and Stefan. Very fun. Not sure. This, quite frankly, because Mike, uh, Mike and I went to law school together, became friends, and now he's friends with the rest of the boys here, and that's among the best things to come out of this. So everybody have a safe and happy new year. Don't go pro if you're an amateur when it comes to drinking, guys. Try not to drive. Motherfuckers are crazy out there on New Year's Eve. We'll see you in 2020. Mike has bummed us all out because apparently the president's going to get reelected, but he's not wrong. So everybody just accept it now. So you have a much more pleasant 2020. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week where we're going to probably talk about video games and wrestling, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And uh Yeah. I was Dr. Law, that was Kid Presentable, that was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms. 
for the last time in 2019. Peace out. See ya. Cheers.